Welcome to the Studies in Proverbs podcast, produced by HeartCry Missionary Society. This is taken from a video series you can find on our website, heartcrymissionary.com. HeartCry is a missionary society founded by Paul Washer. The goal of our ministry is to glorify God and bring the greatest possible good to humankind through the preaching of the gospel and the establishment of biblical churches throughout the world. Visit heartcrymissionary.com to view our other productions and to find out more about HeartCry Missionary Society. Welcome to another study of the book of Proverbs. Today we'll be in chapter 1, but we're moving on now. We're going to be in verses 10 through 19. Uh, In the first part of this, we're going to talk about a description of the wicked. And in the, the next lesson, we'll probably talk about how the wise are taught in the scriptures, how to avoid them. And so let's read verses 10 through 19. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, Come with us, let us lie and wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them alive like shield, even whole as those who go down to the pit. We will find all kinds of precious wealth. We will fill our houses with spoil. Throw in your lot with us. We shall all have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your feet far from their path, for their feet run to evil, and they hasten to shed blood. Indeed, it is useless to spread the baited net in the sight of any bird, but they lie in wait for their own blood. They ambush their own lives. So are the ways of everyone who gains by violence. It takes away the life of its possessor. Uh, Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I ask you today, in the name of your Son, for the benefit of your people, to help us in this instruction in Proverbs. Lord, I pray for the young people who may watch this video, that they would learn to fear you, that they might live, that they would see evil as you see it, and that they would uh, remove themselves far from it. Lord, that they would have strength to stand against any enticement that would carry them away from your will. Father, we live in such dangerous times. Please help these young people to know your son and to walk in his light and to stay far, far from darkness. Oh, dear God, help us. Help us all, old and young alike, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, here in this text, God exposes for us the wicked. He shows us what they're truly like, and then he gives us a proper response to them. What should we do uh, living in a world like this, and many times surrounded by people like this? Now, here in this text, we're dealing with um, a group of violent, very violent highwaymen, robbers, bandits during the... um, during this time in the history of Israel. And you need to know they were without pity. They were without mercy and without the fear of the Lord. They would uh, come upon a caravan. They would not just, um, you know, pull out a sword and rob the people. They would oftentimes slaughter everyone in the caravan, men, women, and children, disrobe them, steal their clothing, their money, everything that they had, and leave them. And so... Um, we see in history that men are very, very capable of great amounts, terrible violence. Now, you say, but what does that have to do with with you? 
Well, what I want you to see is that these characteristics that we're going to see here in Proverbs chapter 1 are in some way, um, to some degree, they're found in, in the life of everyone who turns from the Lord, who does not fear the Lord. But here's what else I want you to see. To some degree, they're found in all of us. And that's why we need to walk with great care and great humility, always trusting in God, reading his word and submitting to his authority. Now, the first thing that we're going to learn about the wicked is that, and I want you to listen very carefully, because I, like I said, we can be at least in part in this description. They're self-centered. They're unconcerned with the welfare of others. They are willing to use others for their own gain or for their own pleasure. Now, let me say that again. Self-centered. All they do is think about themselves. They're unconcerned with the welfare of others, whether someone is hurting or whether they hurt someone. And they're more than willing to use people, people made in the image of God, for their own gain, oftentimes for their own pleasure. Now, where do I get that? Verses um, 11, 12, and 16. Verse 11. If they say, come with us, let us lie and wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without cause. You see the em emphasis there. They are so self-centered. The people that they're attacking, innocent, and they have no cause to attack them. But as we're going to see, they're eaten up with their own greed. Verse 12, let us swallow them alive like seal, even whole as those who go down to the pit. You see, there's no mercy. The willingness to take the life of another, to use another person for their own benefit, even though it leaves that person with nothing. Verse 16, for their feet run to evil and they hasten to shed blood. Now remember, a very similar text is used in Romans chapter 1 when Paul describes every sinner, humanity itself, that our feet are swift to shed blood. And if you don't believe that, you just have to look at the newspaper or the news because it's, it, it's very, very true. Now, here's some questions regarding this passage because what, what we need to do is, is we need to change. We need to be transformed. We need to see our own reality and our need of grace. Here are some questions for you, young person. Are you self-centered? Are most of your thoughts just about you? your own desires, your own wants. When things go your way, you're happy. When they don't go your way, you're not happy. Because really, the universe revolves around you. There's some of that in all of us. Are you unconcerned about the welfare of others? When you're totally consumed with self, it's hard to think about anyone else. Does it bother you when others are hurt? Um, does it bother you when you hurt others? Maybe not with uh, physically, but with your own words, your brothers and sisters, other people, saying cutting things, acting in a way of disregard toward them? Let's go on. Do you only care for those who can contribute to your life and despise the rest? Let me give you an example. Uh, you don't want to hang out with a younger brother or sister. Or maybe you have a, a little sister who greatly admires you and she's always wanting to be around you and your friends and it really gets on your nerves. Well, I understand that. But let's, let's ask ourselves some hard questions. As Christians, what should we do?
How should we respond? You know, like I've said many times in this study, um, or in, in all the things I've, I've taught, love is not just something in Christianity. It is the thing of Christianity. Now, as I've asked you these questions, you might say to yourself, well, Brother Paul, you know, I'm not, I mean, yeah, some of that stuff is found in me, but I, I'm not like those highwaymen that, that Proverbs chapter 1 describes. I'm not like them at all. Well, let me share with you something. They weren't either when they started. Now think about that. You see, here's something. It's, it's something I want you to understand from an older man. I've got it written down here. If you do not deal with your self-centeredness, with your pride, with your lack of love, lovelessness, now, now, early, cut it in the root, cut its head off, have no mercy toward it. If you don't deal with it now, then uh, in time, you won't recognize yourself. You will have become that monster. And I want to give you an example. Now open your Bibles. Oh, hopefully they're already open. But I want you to go back to the book of Genesis. Hold your place in Proverbs and go back to the book of Genesis chapter 4. And we have, of course, the story of, of Cain and his brother Abel. And in chapter 4, 7 and 8, you know, um, Abel had offered a proper sacrifice with faith, and Cain had just offered a sacrifice that seems rather uncaring, nonchalant. It was a burden to him. And God comes to him in verse 6, Then God said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will, your, will not your countenance be lifted up? He says, look, you know, if turn from this foolishness you've done, do well, and everything will go well with you. He says, but if you don't, if you don't take care of this attitude you have right now, if for some reason you're grieved, you're angry, you're unthankful, if you don't take care of this attitude right now, look what he says. If you, if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you but you must master it. He portrays sin as a wild animal crouching at the door of a tent, ready to pounce on you uh, in a moment's notice. And if you just walk out and don't care, it will get you. And what it's saying is, Cain, take care of this now. Cut it off now when it's just anger against your brother or jealousy or, or, or some sort of thing like that, because eventually it's going to grow. And when it grows, it will get you. And we see that's exactly what happens, don't we? He didn't take care of his problem, whether it was with God or Abel or both, and he killed his brother. So it went from just a disgruntled attitude and anger and maybe jealousy to murder. You must take sin seriously and deal with it now before it becomes a habitual a thing in your life, a habit. Deal with it now. Now, um, in First uh, John, uh, chapter three, verse twelve, I want to read this to you. The Bible says, "Not as Cain, who was of the evil one and slew his brother. And for what reason did he slay him? Because his deeds were evil, and his brothers 
were righteous. Now when it says it slew him, it, it's referring to a slaughter, a violent slaughter. It's the same word used sometimes as a sacrifice. It could have been, we don't know, but it could have been that Cain said, you don't like my sacrifice? I'll give you another one. I mean, he had grown so bitter and so angry, and he wasn't always that way. So as I've said, you must kill sin. You must attack it. You must fight it. And in Jude 11, it talks about a group of false teachers, and it says, Woe to them, for they have gone the way of Cain. Young person, your parents, I don't, none of us want you to go the way of Cain. So when you see those things in your life that spring up that are not according to God's word, attack them head on. Don't tolerate them. Repent of them. Ask for prayer from your parents, from your brothers and sisters in Christ. Humble yourself. Ask for grace. Because you can overcome if you are in Christ. You can deal with it and you can overcome. So, first of all, we see that they are unconcerned for others, self-centered, loveless. Now we're going to go on and, and, and greedy. In the first, there was a sense in which they were those things because they did not fear God. You see, God has made men and women, and for us to use them, hurt them, do them harm, put ourselves in the center of their world rather than God, it means we don't fear God. But for the greedy, it means they do not trust God, and they do not find their contentment in God. So, these men are greedy. In Proverbs 1.13, it says, they say, we will find all kinds of precious wealth and we will fill our houses with spoil. They're not concerned about simply having enough in order to live a life that demonstrates God's blessing and a life that enables them to serve God and others. That's not the point. They want to hoard. They want things because they think that in those things they're going to find some sort of maybe fame, esteem, or, or a better life. And it's simply not true. Now, greed, what is it? It's an insatiable hunger for more. What does insatiable mean? It, it's just always hungry. It's always hungry. It's never content. You see, with greed, just like all other sin, uh, the more you feed it, the more it's going to grow, and then the more it's going to de demand to be fed. You see, you just can't take a sin and go, okay, I'm just going to give in to this sin and then it'll be happy. No, that's not the way it works. It just keeps getting bigger and it keeps demanding more. And that's the way it is with greed. And greed will drive you to do many stupid and harmful, sinful, dangerous and loveless things. Men have lost their life for the sake of greed. Uh, let me give you an example from Proverbs 11.6. It says, the, right, the righteousness of the upright will deliver them, but the, treacherousness, but the treacherous will be caught by their own greed. What does it mean? That it's almost like you see, you see a trap of something that they desire, and they so desire it, they grab a hold of it, and then they're caught by it. They literally will destroy their life in an attempt to satisfy this hunger that cannot be satisfied. 1 Timothy 6, 9 through 10 is really helpful here. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. Can you see that? It's almost like Paul was looking at Proverbs chapter 1 when he wrote this. It, it, it will, it's like a snare. 
And it plunges men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. And some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Jesus talks about this. You have the rich young ruler who walked away from eternal life that was standing in front of him because he had many things. Now again, it's not sinful to be wealthy. It is sinful to be greedy. And it is sinful to use our wealth just upon ourselves and not for the sake of others and unto the glory of God. Now, here's another very important text. You know that I want to want you to point out. It's in 1 Corinthians 6.10. And it basically tells us that the greedy, the covetousness, the covetous, those who just want and want and want and want the things of others, they will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. What it means is they're demonstrating that their heart has never been renewed. That they truly don't want God. They want this world and they want things. And that's a very, very dangerous place to be in, you see. Now, the, um, the only people on this planet who possess true contentment are those who know the Lord. It says in 1 Timothy 6, 6, Godliness is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. When the Lord is your desire, even if you have a heart that is insatiable for the Lord, the Lord is infinitely wonderful and He can supply far more than your desire ever desired. It says in Proverbs 15:16 Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and turmoil with it. Do you see that? And, and you know the authority is scripture, but I can tell you as a man who's walked with the Lord for many many years that the Lord is good. Taste and see that he's good. And he's he's better than all the wealth in the world, all the fame in the world anything that this world can offer. He's better than all the world's pleasures, infinitely so. Now, so we've seen that um, the godless are, in this case, loveless, self-centered, greedy. Now we're going to see something else about them. Now, I know we're not supposed to use this word. If my daughter was here right now, my four-year-old, she would say that. But I have to say it because it's true. According to Proverbs, they are also stupid and self-destructive. They destroy themselves. In Proverbs, look at our text, chapter 1, 17 through 19. Just look what it says here about them. Indeed, it is useless to spread the baited net in the sight of any bird, but they lie in wait for their own blood. They ambush their own lives. So are the ways of anyone who gains by violence. It takes away the life of its possessor. Now, I'm sure that many of you are from the city, but I was raised on a farm and with cattle and horses, and we had a lot of woods and a lot of land and a lot of rivers, and um, ever since I was a little tiny boy, I would hunt, and the, the, the main thing about hunting is that you have to hide. If you set a trap and it is, it is exposed, uh, you're not going to catch anything. If you're out hunting and you're where everybody can see you, you're not going to, you're not going to be able to, you know, the animal, is a bird, his brain is about the size of a, a pea, but he's smart enough to know, I saw that man lay that snare, and I'm not walking over there because I'm going to die. 
But these, the wicked, they don't even have the, well, I hate to say it, but they don't even have the brain of a bird. They know, especially in their own heart, because God has, has borne witness to this truth in the heart of any, every man. He has written his law in the hearts of men, and men have been given a conscience that, that, um, that um, bother them that trouble them when they go against the law that is written on their heart. These men, in the back of their head, they've been told they know this type of life will lead to death, but they continue doing it. And it demonstrates that they're not very smart, number one, and number two, that sin can have such a powerful hold upon us that even when we know it's going to kill us, we do it anyways. And we see that so often. Um, I used to work with drug, drug addicts in Peru. And they would, they would take drugs knowing, they would look at it and say, this is going to kill me, but I can't, I can't, I can't give it up. And so, look at it this way. Let's say that for a moment this is sin, and this is you. Okay? And you look at sin, and you don't turn away, which you should immediately. And it begins to catch your eye and you draw closer to it and you say, but I'm okay. I'm okay because, you know, I'm just, I'm just looking at it. And then one step further down, I'm just, I'm just touching it. I'm just touching it. And then, well, I'm holding it. Another step further down, I'm holding it, but I can let go anytime I want. See? And then one day you grab a hold of sin and sin grabs a hold of you, and now you can't let go. It, you know, that's not a cute story. It's not a funny story. I have seen this happen to so many people. Sin is dangerous. It's like that wild animal crouching at the door, and its desire, its desire is to have you. One of the reasons that they're not too wise is also they have forgotten a principle that runs through all the scriptures. It literally runs through all the scriptures, and it's this, consequences. There was an old preacher who used to say this. He preached a famous sermon. It was called uh, Payday Someday. Sooner or later, the consequences will catch up. And Paul explains this very clearly in the book of Galatians, the principle of whatever you reap, whatever you sow, you will reap. Listen to what he says in Galatians 6, 7, and 8. Do not be deceived. So let me say it this way. L listen to me, young person. Do not be deceived. Don't trick yourself and don't be tricked by others. God's not mocked. There is a God and he sees. And he's the one that's in control of this uh, you will reap what you sow principle. God's not mocked. You're not going to get away with it. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Do you see that? Well, that's God's will for you. To reap eternal life by trusting in Jesus Christ and then being a Christian. To live a life of submitting, of growing in your knowledge of God's Word and submitting to its wisdom. Well, God bless you, and we'll see you in the next study. God bless.
Thank you for listening to the Studies in Proverbs podcast produced by HeartCry Missionary Society. Visit heartcrymissionary.com to view our other productions and to find out more about HeartCry Missionary Society.